We're in the middle of a series, not in the middle, second uh, Sunday, in a series called Replicate. And we are talking about how uh, faith gets passed from a generation to a generation, how it, how it actually survives over the centuries. And uh, we use the word replicate. And, and then the Scripture sort of implies multiplication and, and replication, and multiplication is great that the Lord adds to our, our church. That's awesome. But, but what I wanted to focus on is us as individuals, and so I use the word replicate. And our idea is that we want someone or ones to come alongside of us, and because of the way we live out our faith, we give them instruction and guidance and inspiration as to how to live out their faith. And sometimes that's hard. Last week we talked about loving God, and, and, and we sang a lot of the songs today about loving God, and, and then the, the get is that we want other people to worship with us and learn how to worship, to come with us and learn who God is and, and why He is worthy of worship. And last week we, we gave out a, a little figurine that was made on a 3D printer, and that figurine was of a, of a little girl praying because that demonstrates for us loving God. Well, today we're talking about loving people. Our core values, love God, love people, make disciples, make a difference. Today we're talking about loving people, even when it's difficult. You may or may not have noticed that the bumper video changed from last week to this week because it actually shows the, the little uh, thing that we made this week and what we made this week to, to try to help us to remember love people is a small uh, reproduction of Jesus washing Simon Peter's feet. And uh, that, that, that's important because uh, the time that this took place was on the last night that Jesus was alive on earth. And, and, and there were a couple of things that happened that night. One, he washed the feet of all the disciples. And two, he took communion with them. He, he shared with them the bread and the cup, just like we will today. But sometimes we forget that included in the number of feet that he washed and included in the number of people he passed bread and a cup to was Judas. Sometimes we forget that he washed the feet of the person that in human logic would be the most difficult for him to love, the one who would betray him and lead to the painful, painful end of his earthly life. And so I wanted to give this uh, little figurine to a, a lady in our church who just uh, uh, exemplifies what it means to love people. She works with children. She has been tireless in, in everything. And, and I don't know if Linka Gita is in here, but Alyssa, would you make sure that she uh, gets that? Uh, there's Linka. She's right over there. Linka, thank you. Thank you for loving people. So today, that's kind of what we're talking about, and uh, that sounds easy. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, these are some scriptures that we're going to be looking at primarily in 1 John, but, but don't miss the last two as well. I'll get to them. The call to love people, especially those who disagree with us. Now, 
Think about people that you disagree with, that disagree with you. That's, we're building towards that. And they're not like us, or they aren't for us. It's easy to affirm. It's easy to say the words, love God, love people, make disciples, make a difference. Kumbaya, E-I-E-I-O. We, it's, it's, I mean, it's easy to say the words, sometimes hard to get to it. So it's a clear but pretty complicated command. And I want to start in 1 John. Uh, there were three letters that John wrote to some churches. Just uh, for reference, John that wrote this is the same guy that wrote the Gospel of John and also the book of Revelation at the very end of our Bible, the way we organize it. John was an apostle. He was the only one of the, the 12 that didn't die a violent death. He, he had some violent episodes. He was, he was exiled. Uh, he was beaten. He was tortured. Uh, some historians say he was boiled in oil. But he ended his life in a little town called Ephesus, and it's the same town where Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians. It was the same town where Timothy was probably a pastor when Paul wrote First and Second Timothy to him. And it was the, the, the place where likely John finished up all the things he needed to say, and his life ended there. Well, this particular letter is written to churches in Asia Minor, a little bit west of where he was, and it was written to churches that were experiencing a lot of confusion about what it means to be a follower of Christ. They were, they were kind of brand new at this. Everybody was brand new at this. This was, this was at the very end of the first century, probably 80, 90 AD, somewhere in there. And, and John is writing to give them instructions about how they are to go about living lives. And so there's about four things that were pretty important to John. He wanted them to know that there was false teaching and real teaching, that they should avoid people who taught bad things, false doctrine, false uh, teaching. They, they, they taught about uh, a Jesus different than the one that uh, the Bible now presents, that they would be constant in their devotion, that their, that their faith wouldn't be a, a thing that comes and goes, and, and we're all going, yeah, sometimes mine does. But then the, the fourth thing he wanted to make sure was that they loved each other. And apparently that was a huge, huge deal. And, and the, 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 the one that we all know and love is in, in 1 John 4, 7 and 8, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. But if you've got a, I know that a lot of you don't have a paper Bible, it's a, it's a little easier to see what I'm about to do in a paper Bible, because you can't swipe fast enough. But, but throughout this letter, that's, that's sort of a, a theme that he pursues. Back in chapter 3, uh, 
verse 10. By this is evident that we are the children of God and those who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who doesn't love his brother. Next verse, for this is the message that we've heard from the beginning, that you should love one another. Verse 16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Verse 18, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Verse 23, and this is the commandment that we believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. And so this is a, a, a thing that he's, he's going at uh, uh, pretty relentlessly, and, and we're going, well, what's going on there? Well, here's the deal. This is a hard message for me to speak, and it will be a hard message for you to hear. But the test and the testimony of our faithfulness in Christ is the love that we have and that love has to be apparent. And that love has to be apparent even in the midst of a culture that is so incredibly messed up. First century culture. Ephesus had a building in town. I told you last week that this was not a small town. They had a coliseum that seats as much as the arena that the basketball teams play in. They had a, a, a temple that was larger than anything in Greece, anything in Athens, Acropolis, Parthenon, all of that. The temple in Ephesus was bigger. It was a temple that was dedicated to uh, Artemis or Diana, depending on Greek or Roman. And she was the goddess of chastity. She was the goddess of fertility. She was the goddess of sensuality, and her temple in Ephesus was served, staffed exclusively by women. So all of the, quote, servants in the temple, women. And so this, this culture that John was in when he was writing these, it had elevated those kinds of things. It had elevated uh, the, the uh, sensuality of the culture. It had elevated materialism in the culture. It had elevated uh, a lot of things, and it had, he devalued even children. If you had a child and you didn't want it, you'd just take it to the marketplace and sell it. And if nobody wanted to buy it, you just left it there. And children weren't necessarily wanted. And, and, and men dressed like women, and men, women dressed like men, and they exchanged their roles. That's what Paul was writing about in Romans chapter 1. And, and that was the first century. And then we leap forward to the 21st century, and we see that, that we teach things in school that revise history, and we, we exchange our gender roles. If you're born a male or born a female, but you just really don't want to identify that way, you just declare that you're something else. We abort babies with impunity for whatever reason. We don't just leave them in the marketplace, but maybe that would be kinder. And so the, the culture that he was in and the culture that we are in, church is full of people that are hard to love. But he calls us to love. First, he calls us to love each other. This is love. 
Not that we've loved God, but that He loved us. We love because He first loved us. He sent His Son in atoning sacrifice. That sounds a lot like what He wrote in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Dear friends, since God loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. It is our test and our testimony. Well, we love because He loved us first. Verse 16, we know, we rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. I don't know how I can make it through life with all of the junk that's going on and somehow continue to love unless I know what Michael said just a minute ago, the God of the universe, the the unchanging, the everlasting to everlasting, the forever God, the one we talked about last week, He is the one who loves us and allows us to love Him. That's the only way. We have confidence in that on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Our goal is to be called Christians, which translates little Christ's. There is no fear in love. There's fear in everything else. Anxiety rampant in the first century. Anxiety rampant in the 21st century. We're afraid at work. We're afraid at school. We're afraid to go out. You can't read the paper in Atlanta, if any of you still read the paper in Atlanta. And it's not a matter of will there be a shooting, but how many will there be? How many were there? How many people are dead because random violence. We fear, and yet perfect love casts out fear. I want that kind of love, but it's hard. It's really hard. Now, here's the deal. We kind of like being around people in church, right? Kind of mostly. I mean, if we are really honest about this passage of Scripture, about this letter Uh, John was writing to the church. He he wasn't telling us to love people outside the church. He was telling us we got to start with the people who are inside the church. We got to start with, he, he calls them brothers and sisters. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. It is a test. The world is watching to see if we love each other. The world is watching to see if, if when people come in, are they welcomed, are they affirmed, or are they judged? The world is watching. It is our test. It is our testimony. It, it is a, 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 a litmus of, of how we are enacting or acting out our discipleship, and, and our love has to have feet to it. Our love has to have hands to it. Do we love each other? He says, we kind of like that. And, and really, honestly, I like coming to church. I like most of you. And most of you like me. And there's that, there's that pleasant sense of us being together. We get to come here. We get to go to our small groups. We get to do our men's ministry, our, our student ministry, our women's ministry, the children's ministry. We get to do that. We get to help each other. We get to love each other. And by and large, that's a good thing. But it's almost as if John is, is, is graduating because he's, he's challenging us to love each other, and he's also implying something that Jesus had said earlier 
that we've got to learn to love people who aren't like us. Okay, so, so we've, we've graduated from we, we love because God loved us first, and we love because He surrounded us with people who are, who are kind of nice and kind of kind, and, and I like them kind of mostly. But now, wait a minute. At Dunwoody Baptist Church, we're, we're starting to look different. We're, we're starting to see people from all backgrounds and all ethnicities and, and different languages. Tonight, we will celebrate with our Indian friends Indian Independence Day and have 500-plus Indians on the ball fields and in the gym. They, 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 didn't, they didn't start out like some of you started out. And the question is, can we love? Well, Jesus told uh, what is a very famous parable, uh, uh, a guy who was kind of a Sunday school teacher sort of person came up to him and asked him, he said, uh, uh, what do I need in order to be okay with God? And he says, well, what do you think the commandments are? He said, love God, love people. It may surprise some of you to know that it's not original with me. He said, love God, love people. And he says, I've done all that. And then he, and then he said, well, wait a minute, I've got another question. What people? <laughs> Love God, got that one, big G, got him, but love people, certainly you can't mean all people. Certainly you can't mean people who aren't thinking like I do. Surely you can't mean somebody who doesn't vote like I do. What? And so Jesus said, let me tell you a little story. There's somebody like you who was taking a trip. And on the way, he was attacked, he was robbed, he was beaten, he was left for dead, laying on the side of the road. Several people passed him by, people that were like him, and they, for whatever reason, decided that they didn't have time to help him, they didn't have time to fool with him, so they went on about their business and they left him there. And then along came somebody who was from uh, another people group, another language group, another culture, another ethnicity, and that guy stopped to help him. And so he asked him a question. He says, who, who, who is the neighbor? Who is the people? Who, love God, love people. Who, 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 are the, who was the people to this guy? Who was the neighbor to this guy? And the Sunday school teachers, well, I guess the one who helped him. The one who figured out a way to love somebody in very tangible ways, somebody who didn't look like him, who maybe didn't smell like him, who maybe had a background that was a little different. Okay, I get it. We got a little harder with that one. Love God because he loved us. Check, sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. Love people who are in the church. Uh, okay, like them, people, youth group, people in my small group, people like them, that's good. Okay, like new people, like different people. Okay, Lord, they, they, they're, they're, they're learning to think like me. They're, they're pursuing a lot of the same goals, so check, got that one. This is what the sermon is really about. It's about somebody like me learning to love people who actively don't like me, who actively hate me, who actively oppose me, who actively 
persecute me. And they have no intention of changing. They have no intention of stopping their advocacy for some of the cultural issues that I mentioned just a minute ago that that just bother me to my very core. They have no intention of being bent towards anything of God. They despise things of God. Or maybe they love God, but they don't see any incongruity in, 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 in actively gossiping or, or hating. We're not, we're not talking about just unpleasant people. Okay, I get that too. You know, the, the guy at the traffic light that's on his phone, so he makes you miss a couple of light cycles. Okay, he's unpleasant. The guy who sticks gum under the table. And you're at a business meeting, and you're just kind of bored to death, and oh, you just discovered somebody else's gum. That guy, he's unpleasant. The guy who talks with his mouth full of food, and you're trying to identify what you're seeing, that's unpleasant. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the one who goes out of their way to oppose you or me for whatever reason. Staff knows I, I have a whole file of complaints, right? I have a, an electronic, an email file of a lot of the complaints that I've heard. Some of you are in there, and you know who you are. And, and it's like all of these things in this email, they're, they're, they're telling me why I'm not doing a good job or why I'm not a good pastor or why I'm not a good husband or not a good father. There's all kinds of stuff in this file. And all of you have a file like that, whether or not it's, it's tangible. You, you all have lists of people that, that just, they come after you for whatever reason. And there's a million reasons you shouldn't like them. And they're probably valid. There's a, there's a bunch of reasons that, that you should oppose them. And, and I would not in any way tell you to, to give up on a biblical conviction. The things that I was talking about socially, I I hope you stand your ground on on those things because the Scripture speaks to the value of life. The the, the Scripture speaks to the value of men and women and children. The, The Scripture speaks to purity. It speaks to marriages and families and hard work. It speaks to those things. I I hope you never give up any ground on those. But now the question is, how do I love somebody who's completely opposite from me in all of those things. Jesus preached a sermon. It's really a very short sermon if you just read the verses straight through. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And in that sermon, He, um, he gave a number of statements that we call the you-have-heard-it-said statements. And in each of those statements, He says... This is what you're very familiar with as far as what the law says to do. This is what you all get. You all know it. It's politeness. It's common sense. Our, our ancestors have talked about that. This is what you learned in Sunday school from the time you were little. And so he said things like, you have heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you that if you even look at a woman with lust, you might as well have. Uh, you have heard it said, do not commit murder. But I say to you that if you can, if you can hate somebody in the depths of your heart, it's, as, it's equivalent to murder. And people were just messed up with these statements. But then he gave this one. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what they had been taught. That's what we've been taught. We, we, we love the people that love us. 
The people that threaten us, the people that gossip about us, the people that attack us on social media, we don't have to love them because they are the they's. They are the out there. Any conversation you have like this with with values that are different from your own, it usually ends up with, well, well, they, well, this, well, them. And it's the them that He's now calling us to love. This is the hard part. Love God, got it. Love people in the church, got it. Love people who are different than us but kind of think along the same lines, got it. Love people who hate us because that seems to be the conversation piece of the day, right? We, we can no longer disagree with somebody without making it personal. We, we can no longer have a, a different viewpoint politically, a different viewpoint in terms of sexuality, a different viewpoint in, in terms of, of a social issue. We can't have a different viewpoint anymore without me declaring my distaste and detest of that person as an individual. Church, there's a better way. There's a better way. It's not an easy way. It's a hard way. Wednesday night when we broke this all down and, and talked about how the, the, the culture prompted some of these discussions and how the culture that Jesus was living in, He said, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor, hate your enemy, but I say unto you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. No question what He's talking about. He's not talking somebody dresses a different style, uses a different perfume, goes to a different restaurant. He's talking about somebody who actively, intentionally comes after you. I got to be honest. There's a lot of times I don't know what to do with that. It breaks us down when we think about having to play by different rules. So in my years as youth pastor, I, I, I came on lots of students who were told by an unbelieving parent, you're a Christian, you're supposed to act this way. And the implication was, I'm not a Christian, so those rules don't apply to me. And, and I'm trying to coach students through how to love a parent who doesn't love God. How to love a neighbor who doesn't love God. How to love somebody at work who doesn't, who doesn't embrace anything that you hold valuable. And ridicules and gossips and attacks at every turn. Jesus, you surely couldn't mean that person. Well, he didn't pull punches. He says, enemies. Enemies. And he says, those who persecute you. And then he said, you are not only to love them, which is sort of a fluffy and tangible, you're supposed to pray for them. Okay, cross the line, Jesus. I'm supposed to pray for what? I pray that you would smite their vehicle and they would have to walk to work. No. The, the story there is that he's telling us we pray for their good. It's like Jeremiah when he was prophesying to the Old Testament nation of Israel. He says, when you go to a place where you've been carried against your will, pray for the city. Seek its welfare. And Jesus is saying, your enemies 
all of those people that are in your head right now, the list that you are making on the back of your hand, pray for them. Love them. How do I do that? When Paul was writing to the Ephesians, in verse 32 of chapter 4, he says, Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Kindness. Can I be kind to somebody who hates me? Not on my own. Have to go back to last week's message and the first part of this week's message. I can love only because God loved me first. Keep the conversation going. Refuse to be shut out. Refuse to, to end the text messages. Re- refuse to, now don't, don't engage in the nastiness, but keep the conversation going. Be kind. Keep the conversation going. Serve them. Serve them. Wouldn't it be crazy if somebody who was just as vile as they could be showed up to work and there was a box of Tiff's treats sitting on the bottom? This is from Alan. And I don't have to remind them that they were vile towards me. You don't have to remind them that you were vile towards you. But what Jesus is commanding us to do is to, yes, love God because He first loved us. Yes, love others because He showed us how to do that. Yes, love those who are in the church. Yes, love those who are different than us. But the hardest test and the greatest testimony is that we would love those who would be fairly called our enemies. That's why I wanted to wait until the very end of the service to take communion. Because this practice was introduced on the last night that Jesus was alive. And on that night, he gathered the disciples together. And he said, guys, it's time for the final exam. And the Scripture tells us that as he gathered them, he took a towel and a basin of water, and he washed the feet of each one of the disciples. And that means that there came a moment that he bowed before Judas And he washed his feet. And then he said, we're going to have a a bread and and a cup, and it's going to mean something to you. And in Paul's version of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, listen closely. He says, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. In other words, Jesus gave him these instructions. But listen to the qualifier. You've probably never seen it in here. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. That the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed. That's the qualifier there. You ever seen that before? The Lord Jesus, on the night 
he was betrayed. That, that's the only descriptor that is given there. On the night he was betrayed. Not on the night before he died. Not on the night of the passion. Not on the night when he had trials. On the night he was betrayed. On the night he had washed the feet of Judas. On the night that he was betrayed. He took the bread. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. The body of Christ. And then he said, guys... There's going to be a new way. The way it says it in the Scripture, in Paul's version, and when he had given thanks, he broke the bread. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. There is a new way of doing things. You have heard it said, but I say unto you. That this cup is a representation of a new way of thinking. A way that doesn't mean that you please God by keeping the rules. But that you please God because your heart is so transformed that you could love even your enemies. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant. Church, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, it blows our mind that you love like you love. When we think of the the anxiety, the fear, the dislike for others, the mistakes that we make, the things that we think, the things that we surf, the things that we do, It shouldn't surprise us that you call us to a way of love. That you call us to a way that's that's greater than than anything the world could do. That this, this, this love that you're calling us to, that you demonstrated for us. That you showed us, Father. That you shed your blood. Your body was broken for us, for our sins, for the, 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 the fear, the anxiety, the, 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 the junk that's in our lives that we admit is not like you. God, if there's one here who doesn't know you, who's not your follower, And God, you've begun to bend their hearts towards you. I I pray that this would be the day that they can find the connections corner out in the lobby, somebody in a green shirt, somebody with a name tag, and say, I need to have a conversation that, that, that leads to a different way of thinking, a different way of life, a different way of love. Father, for the rest of us, we say often that the role of the Holy Spirit is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And we've been afflicted today in our hearts because we know there are people we refuse to love. And we lay that on your altar. We lay that at your feet. And in prayer and in worship, we we bring that to you and ask that you would forgive us and teach us how to love those who are impossible to love on our own. I pray that that will be our action that our hands and our feet will, will be bent towards kindness and service, even to those who are that disliked.
Lord, we love you. We thank you for a chance to worship you and to hear hard words. Guide us with your Holy Spirit that we would know of your love and we would extend that love to others. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.